This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast where we offer you a place of connection, rest and encouragement for women and men as well who are on the journey of living out our passion and purpose with Christ. So grab your coffee, grab your whatever it is you're grabbing this month (laughs) and join us uh, in our journey. Um, I'm Sister Miriam James and I am joined as always by my lovely, beautiful, wonderful friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. And Heather Kim, how are you this morning? I'm doing great this morning. I must say I'm just loving spring. I'm loving springtime. We had such a long winter that for some reason, like spring, this spring in particular, I'm just absolutely loving it. Things are starting to bloom. We got all of our, our cherry blossoms blooming in the city and it's just oh. lovely. Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you, Michelle? That's, that's awesome. Um, I'm good. I'm moving a little slow this morning, but I am good. I'm in the fullness of... Um, a bunch of kids having a bunch of activities. So, um, you know, life's full, but I'm good. I've already had a cup of coffee and a half, so I'm really, really good. You know, get on it, girl. Get that caffeine going. Let me tell you. And um, Heather does love spring because we were with her in Canada last oh. week. And every time she saw a cherry blossom, she was like, oh, my gosh, look at it. It's blooming. <laughs> and she like, get giddy after every cherry blossom. I mean, it was cute the first three or four times. But after that, I'm like, oh, we see the cherry blossoms, baby. Yeah. I just can't I take like it for granted. Too. I yeah. just, oh, man, it's so beautiful. I just can't get over it. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Maybe it is beautiful. I would be a little bit more supportive if I saw the tulips. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we did have like about 200 tulips at the retreat, which were pretty, pretty lovely, I must say. So, Michelle, you were just saying um, that you had a prom this last weekend for your eldest. And you went to prom? Wow. Yeah. And so if this is like precursor to what her wedding will be like, we're in trouble. You know, like I was done. Like we could not find a dress. We had to go get hair done. And, you know, this is our daughter that we adopted from Haiti. So it's just a big learning curve, you know, how to do Haitian hair. And so, and we wanted it curly this time. Three hours later, after we got the curls and did all that, you know, got the things that she wanted to go in her hair. And then she picked out a couple of dresses. And I said, there's no way in this world that your dad will let you out of the house in any of those dresses. (laughs) um, Then afterwards, we found a beautiful dress that was so great on her. Great everything. We went into this place. She tried it on. I'm like, that's it. We're done. Like we were in and out in eight minutes. The lady's like, are you serious? I'm like, I am so tired of looking for dresses. We're done. And so, um, but it was great. It was beautiful. It was great. I love the people she went with and, um, it is finished. It is done. And so well, the I next- saw the pictures and she looked just stunning. She really did. I mean, she's such a beautiful girl, but yeah. well, the reason why Michelle, you know about the flowers in Canada is because we were just with Heather at a beautiful, awesome women's retreat called unfailing, which Heather did an incredible job of organizing and bringing in over 200 women. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about this awesome retreat and we're just going to share a bit about our reflections on it and the talks that we heard. But I was wondering, Heather, if you could just kind of, a lot of our ladies are listening now, um, but just for people that don't know, could you tell us a bit about the retreat center and kind of how that the genesis of the retreat came about? 
Yeah, I mean, we were at this beautiful place. So I live up in British Columbia, Canada, which is right on the West Coast. We're about two and a half hours north of Seattle. Um, so normally, you know, it's fairly rainy up here, but beautiful. Um, and we went to a retreat center in Princeton, British Columbia. So it's a little bit of a drive from Vancouver for sure. Um, but we went there because it could hold enough women, but it is... It's beautiful there. It's in the mountains, and um, just the retreat center itself is beautiful. And uh, so we chose to go there. And we had a lot of support from the diocese, which was really wonderful. And, you know, it was interesting because when we when we put the retreat out there for people, I thought, boy, there's a lot of reasons for people not to come. Like, there's a big drive involved, you know, a whole weekend away for women. That's hard for a lot of women, especially young moms and all of that. But uh, there was such a impressive response. They crashed the website the first day. <laughs> and then within a few weeks, it had sold out. So to me, it just spoke of, you know, the deep hunger that people have to gather uh, together and and also just to come and seek God and, and receive what, what God has to grow in their relationship with Him. So that was really wonderful. Everybody who was there was excited to be there. They wanted to be there and they were ready um, for whatever came at them. So it was, it was wonderful. It was beautiful. And I do have to say, I was really struck by all the moms with their babies. It was just such a beautiful witness of, of life and just them coming in a, re- a respite for them. But also just, I love to see all the women gather around the women as well. And I think perhaps, I know the two of you could speak obviously much better to this than I could, but I would imagine some of his moms probably feel timid, like timid about bringing babies to a retreat. Like, oh my gosh, what if they cry? And, and but they were all camped out in the back of the room, and it just yeah. Sometimes the kids cried or they cooed. It was just it was glorious. So I I'm sure they really appreciated the you know just the ability to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. I think there was like 11 babies there, <laughs> so and you could just see different people like passing off the babies. Like everybody kind of helped out. Yeah, it was wonderful to have them there. And I remember being in that season of life. Gosh, what I would have done for a retreat like that in that season of life. So I know a lot of people sacrificed a lot to be there, and I'm glad they did. You know, because it was a really beautiful weekend. Well, and I, I love that you said at the very beginning of the retreat, you really set the tone deeply and instantaneously about unfailing, about Christ's unfailing love for us, that, that no matter what the circumstances is in our life, that God is unfailing. So I was wondering, Michelle, if you kind of want to want to take us through kind of Friday night and what your thoughts were about Debbie Herbeck, our friend came from Renewal Ministries and did an outstanding job of her conversion story. But Michelle, what stuck out to you kind of the first night? She was just so great. I mean, I think she interweaves her story so well. And she talked about, um, you know, there had been her brother had been killed when she was younger. But um, it was for me, it was so interesting to hear because she's a convert and you all could all check out her story. Debbie Herbert on Renewal Ministries, but she's a convert from Judaism, but still has a deep love for the Jewish faith and saw how that brought into like enriched her faith in Christ. Like, but I think one of my fun, the funniest stories is when she talked about when she was in the university of Michigan and she went into her, uh, dorm room or, you know, roommate. And she had, he, she had the roommate at Michigan. She was the first time that she wasn't around friends that were Jewish. She had a picture of what she liked to call surfer Jesus. You know, that Jesus looks really cool and all that kind of stuff. And she picked up her roommate's picture and she said, is this your boyfriend? And her roommate's like, what? No, that's Jesus. And, and right there, it just struck me like, oh, my gosh, yeah. you know, like, wow. Like, I mean, this really was a, you know, 
a huge conversion experience. But she did such a beautiful job of weaving her own story in and her own um, searching and her own brokenness and God's own redemption. But that how God's love is um, relentlessly chasing us and how God's love is unchanging and unfailing, you know, and which was really funny. She also introduced the gospel story of Lazarus, which Heather picked up on later, which we'll talk about. And then it was the gospel reading that Sunday, which we, none of us knew, like Mm -hmm. we put the pieces together. Maybe we should have put the pieces together, but we didn't put the pieces together before. So it was just, um, yeah, it was beautiful, but it really did set the tone for the weekends. And, um, man, the women were just mesmerized hearing her story. They were like tuned in. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. Like just how real she was like in everything. And she was so funny, you know, like even talking about the girl down the hallway at university who was like the Uber Christian. So excited and would come up and be like, Hey Debbie, do you want to hear a song about Jesus? And she's like, no. And then just shut her door. (laughs) That made me laugh so hard. I I was tempted to do that over the weekend. Hey Debbie, you want to hear a song about Jesus? But just, you know, how real she shared about her journey, that there was reasons why she was so close, just in how she grew up, that this was not, there was going to be a, a lot of fallout for um, any openness that she had to the Christian life. And just, yeah, her sharing so honestly, and then even about her own journey, I thought that she was able to touch on some of the major things that keep us from God and and have us doubt his love for us you know so when she's talking about god's unfailing love and she was sharing her own story i mean it was incredibly beautiful and you know she touched on the area of shame which i thought this is one of the most massive areas that keep people from the love of god is that we get locked into areas of shame and um and we we can't we can't open ourselves up to the love of god because we think it can't go there you know that that's the one place it can't go Mm. And I also really appreciated how she talked about the death of her brother, of how she made that prayer to God. It was like the first time she'd ever prayed spontaneously and asking God to save her brother's life, and then her brother died. And I mean, how many of us have had those moments where we just, from then on, we just say, well, God doesn't care. And I was just so struck by her journey. Like I, I know, as both of you already said, of her honesty, of her story, and just her own, you know, discovery of Christ. And I was so struck sitting in the back of that room thinking, you know, there's like over 200 of us in, in that room. And most of us are probably cradle Catholics or cradle Christians. And probably very few people in that room have ever come to the intellectual kind of pursuit of Christ as the Messiah. You know, in this day and age, we just think, oh, yeah, doesn't everybody know that? But they don't. And I was just riveted by that initial proclamation of the gospel that her roommate, the woman down the hall, did over and over and over again. And I love how at the end of the story, she shared that her friend became a nun. And it just it was just great. You know, here's yeah. a woman who's hot. And we think our witness doesn't matter. And it, it totally matters. How we live our daily life affects everybody around us. So, uh, yeah, and she was funny. And, you know, we all cried. It just it was really, really beautiful, beautifully inspiring and uplifting story of, of hope and redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, there was that one part where, you know, in the Lazarus story, um, where it talks about the stench of, you know, opening opening up the, the area where Lazarus was to come out. And she talked about the stench of shame. And oh, I know, um, Michelle, you, you were talking about that really struck you. The stench of shame. Like, I never gave a really, um, a lot of thought to what, you know, Lazarus stunk. He smelled. He was in the tomb for a couple of days. And Part of that was like she totally correlated that with shame and how shame smells, especially because I think it's contrary like to having faith in who Jesus is. You know, we 
we always believe that we're exception to the rule of forgiveness or grace or whatever. Like we're the exception, you know, like everybody else is fine, but we're the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. And um, it just struck me really um, profoundly, you know, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, um, just that whole idea of shame and how it smells. So, yeah. And I think just that Jesus isn't afraid of that. He's not afraid yeah. of it. That's what that story tells us is that he, he is willing and he wants to go into those places to bring new life. And I think that's one of the biggest messages about shame um, for us that we need to dive into, especially if that's something that really keeps us from the love of God is Jesus desires to go there. He's not afraid of the stench. He's not repulsed by it. That's exactly where he wants to go. That's exactly where he wants to bring his healing. And we see this over and over and over again um, in the Gospels as he encounters people. He always goes to those places that are uncomfortable, messy, where other people want to push them away. That's exactly where he is. So I think just, you know, for some of us, we need to sit and reflect on some of these Gospel stories and, and knowing that they aren't just stories that this is the person who Jesus is. This is the kind of God that we have, um, that he desires to heal and restore us, you know? Yeah. And I also think that it was the perfect, just a perfect segue Heather into your talk on Saturday morning, which was incredibly powerful. I mean, was so powerful of the stories that you had your mom share and your friend share about life and about loss and about how God is good no matter what. And, um, I would just love if you could share a bit about your talk on Saturday morning of, of that just incredible unfolding continually of that message of unfailing love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was interesting because I was at a, a prayer night um, when the theme came. I was really asking God, like, what do you want the theme to be for this retreat? This was in October or something. And this word just leapt out, unfailing. I was like, okay, is it? Is that it? You know, I was kind of questioning, is this it? Is this it? You know, and as I sat with the theme and I really felt like this is what God wanted to speak about, I just kept thinking, you know, it's true. Like we're in a world where everything is changing, where, you know, there's ISIS and all of these things for us to fear, you know, the the presidential thing that just happened in the United States. Like so many people just feel unsettled and rattled. And um, I just felt like God wanted us to reflect on he is the anchor for our soul. And And he is the one that we need to cling to. He is the only one that is unfailing. And so where I felt led to dive into that morning was into some of the difficult questions. The, is God still good when bad things happen? And this has been the age-old question, is it not, in the heart of every human being. Like, God, if you're so good, then why did this happen to me? Why did you let this happen to me? And, um, And those are, you know, really tender areas for us. You know, it's not something that we can flippantly talk about because we all have wounds that are incredibly deep in this area. Places where we feel like God should have intervened or we wanted him or needed him to intervene and feel like he didn't. And I know those have been some of the biggest lies in my own life personally. So, yeah, that morning I just felt like, you know, we needed to talk about some of these things. And I had my mom uh, share, which she's never done publicly before, about the loss of her son, my brother Mark. And he was seven years old, and there was an accident, and he passed away, and I was just a three-month-old baby. And, um, I mean, that's everybody's worst nightmare, you know, that would happen. And just how she how she coped with that, how she lived through it, and how God began to heal her. And what happened was that after Mark passed away, she ended up engaging with... Um, 
with a prayer group and she really she had a very strong faith before that but as she engaged in that prayer group she really encountered God in a very personal way and it changed her whole life and that's what carried her through all of the sorrow and mourning and the changes in life and moving and you know my dad switching jobs and all of these horrible things that were going on that were so hard Um, God did not fail her he was the one that carried her through and he didn't make that accident happen. And, you know, as he cried in the story of Lazarus, I'm, sh- I'm sure he was, you know, then too. Um, but just how he carried her through all of that and brought her to a place where she is now. And she, she's an incredibly strong woman of faith, you know. And when she shared that story, you know, there were tears. There's still, there's always going to be sorrow in situations like that. Um, but that God really has carried her through all of that. And then we kind of juxtaposed it with the story of Kristen Laboda and her husband Matt, which many people have heard about, um, and they their daughter Joy in December, who is one and a half years old, um, fell into a pool and drowned, and um, and they prayed with her uh, as you know they pulled her out of the pool, and basically what happened in the story is that her heartbeat stopped for thirty minutes, and then her heartbeat came back again, like God raised this little girl from the dead and uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get, it's hard to talk about without just being like what like it's uh, I mean it's amazing you know it's like God is alive and well and he still is active and so Kristen shared her story which is incredibly beautiful we just had a video of her sharing that story and how good God is but in you know it was like in both situations God was unfailing And I think, uh, you know, one of the points that God brought up that morning was that we have a deep-rooted belief that if God loves us, He will give us what we want. And Mm -hmm. when He doesn't, then He doesn't love us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and that's just, that's a, it's a massive lie that, that has crept in there. Um, because really what our hearts are longing for is heaven. And we long for healing and wholeness and restoration and all of these things which will happen in heaven. And sometimes we catch glimpses of it now, but it's not the reality that we live in that every story is going to end with healing here on earth. But every story, you know, like that is woven into God's plan is is fully healed in heaven. So anyway, that was basically, you know, some of the stories that we shared about that morning and... And, and, you know, ended up just praying for miracles. And I think the miracles come both in physical healing sometimes, and sometimes they come in a healing of our perceptions. And I think that that's where a lot of our brokenness lies, is in our perceptions and, and the conclusions that we come to about is God where God is in, in certain areas of pain in our life. So that was a very powerful morning. And I think that's something that, you know, I want to continue to sit with. And I hope that our listeners will as well, that where, where do we need healing and, and is it in our perceptions? And maybe we need to ask the question, Jesus, where were you? Where are you in this situation? Because yeah, he's there. He doesn't abandon us. So, Mm -hmm. I woke up with that this morning, actually, on my mind of, you know, that prayer of God, heal my perceptions. I was so struck by that. I was I was struck by when you said after and after Kristen's sharing and their, your mom is sitting there on stage and we're all listening to Kristen's talk, the, the recorded session. And, and you said very simply, you said, and God is good in both situations. Mm-hmm. And like, there's just the palpable, like piercing of hearts in that moment, because it's true. 
And, you know, we easily see that with our parents. When we're kids, we want this, we want that. And our parents, if they're good, they're not going to give us whatever we want, but they're going to give us, you know, what we truly need and what we delight, what would truly delight us, what would bring us the truest joy, mm-hmm. not just the bare minimum, but what speaks to joy, what speaks to thriving, what speaks to abundance. And, uh, yeah, it just, that is a, I don't know, I know in my own life, that's a continual healing that needs to happen of, you know, God, heal my perceptions. You know, heal my perceptions of you, of other people, of life, of what life is supposed to be like, and who, who I am even. Tell me who I am. Uh, it's so necessary. Yeah. Michelle, what were your thoughts about that? I was really just struck by um, Heather's mom's talk, like when just watching it. I mean, for me, it was like very um, emotional because, I mean, I've known Heather for 20 years and her mom, and I've known the story, but I've never heard the story from Maria, her mom. And the whole time when she was speaking, it still makes me tear up thinking about it. I just kept on hearing like through my head going, restore the ancient ruins. Mm-hmm. Like that God, even by her telling Marie sharing the story, Heather's mom, like God was restoring the ancient ruins, you know, and tying it back to Lazarus story, you know, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God, but God's glory looks different than what we think it is going to be. And it doesn't, the story doesn't play out how we have scripted it. And so like, you're thinking, Lord, how is a child, like a child's death? How are you going to see the glory of God in that? You know, especially yeah. all this, you know, that our mothers were like, oh, you know, but there has been, and God has restored and brought about life in situations that have been dead in Heather's family and mm-hmm. um, just the power of that and your mother's faith. It was just beautiful to me. And like we're saying, I loved the contrast of your mom's story and then Kristen's story because both of them were good and God was good and present in both stories, you know, um, which, yeah, it was just powerful. It was really um, just a powerful session. Yeah, and then we yeah. we went in that evening, sister, um, to your talk, which I'd love for you to sort of recap for us. Yeah, I felt really led that the topic uh, for my talk was actually called Unveiled, and um, when Christ comes to unveil us, and I just love the Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, um, and it says, And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord, as they're reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other to another. And I love that image of gazing upon Christ and that, you know, he is our glory. He is our beauty. He is, you know, here's our mirror. And, you know, I, I was referring to that old Justin Timberlake song. It's like, you're my mirror <laughs> staring back at me. And it's true. Cause he is. And I, I, um, sister, I think you need to sing that. I'm not really quite sure how it goes. Can you sing that for me, please? <laughs> Michelle, this is a happy podcast. All right. Let's not, uh, <laughs> We got your JT right now. Go JT, man, the theologian who knew. Uh, But it's true because I won't find out who I am from gazing in my own reflection. And ultimately, you know, other people can affirm me, but ultimately it's only God. And so just talking about the veils, and I was referring, we had our friend Lisa Brennickmeyer was talking one year at a retreat about the veil in the temple of Jerusalem that wasn't a veil made of tulle or lace. It was a veil that was 60 feet tall and 20 feet wide and eight inches thick. Yeah. yeah and funny. I, you know, when Jesus Christ dies on the cross, that veil is torn in two, which is be impossible for humans to do that. There was no way it was too thick. And I really felt like, you know, all of us have those veils over parts of our hearts, whether that is shame or it's the veil of unbelief or it's the veil where it's just too painful to be alive or we just numb out. And so just asking God to encounter us and to give us the courage to, you know, give him permission 
permission to to open those veils and you know really his his veil is the flesh that he freely gives for us and so yeah that's kind of where i just felt and i still think of it even now just that image of gazing on the face of christ with an unveiled face like lord i can't do this but you can and you love me so take away the veils i give you full permission because you love me mm-hmm. so that's kind of you know where i felt uh led to to really reflect on and you know the little girls we sing you know girls that are comfortable we sing and our hearts become alive and that's what we're called to Mm -hmm. yeah one of the things i was struck so much by sister during your talk i mean everything you said (laughs) it was was so good so good because you you really speak with the heart and mind of the church as well like it's deeply woven into your being which i love um but just as you shared from your own like desire to look upon the face of God, and and you just naturally teared up, I was like, oh, it was just so beautiful. It was so moving, um, just your expression of desire for God. You're such a witness to us in so many ways, you know, like as you are living out what we are meant for, you know, um, to be united with Christ deeply. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome. And then we went into a time of adoration, which was just perfect. <laughs> which yeah, we literally gazed upon the Lord. Yeah, and He was gazing at us. Yeah. yeah. So and I, it was a great launch. And you know, I loved how all the talks interwove because then the next you know day was Michelle giving us an incredible send off message of being empowered by the Holy Spirit and saying yes. And um, just Michelle, can you share a bit about with us about your talk Sunday morning? Yeah, totally. But I, don't, I want to go back to your unveiled. I think there's something about you being in a veil, yeah. speaking uh, about unveiled. Like I thought that was like, whoa. And I mean, I've watched you speak numerous occasions and you're such an anointed and gifted speaker, but it's very, and you share your story so authentically, but it's very rare that I saw you so vulnerable, like really like, so when you were talking about Jesus and you were getting teary eyed, I'm like, sister's getting a little emotional. Like I don't get, we don't get to see that. And I loved it. I really, it was just something so vulnerable and beautiful about, you know, the bride talking about the bridegroom, you know, exactly. it was almost like, um, should we look away or should I look, you know, I felt almost like, okay, <laughs> you know, but it was, so, I mean, it was the perfect replica of the gaze, like what it should be, you know, the bride and the bridegroom gazing upon each other. So exactly. Just- it's, it's so true. I mean, yeah, it was, um, the vulnerability that you shared with sister was like so stunning you know that yes. that's what I, I loved about it and it's true like when you have two lovers gazing at one another you're sort of like okay like maybe we should <laughs> maybe um, we'll but, give them a moment yeah you know and yeah, so. but, but to see that like just expressed it was so beautiful like so beautiful it wasn't uncomfortable it was beautiful so oh, thank you yeah, that moment caught me by surprise too. You know, yeah. you just are overwhelmed sometimes with just God's beauty and your own desire and your own realization of how far you need to go and broken, but God still loves and just yeah, it came out that night. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome because you know sometimes you see that between couples who love one another, and it's and when they talk about one another in front of other people, they get teary eyed or choked up or whatever. And uh, so yeah, it was beautiful to see. So. It was great. I yeah. loved it. So, Michelle, your your session in the morning was quite a bit different because we were really trying to um, kind of wrap up a lot of the themes, but also, yeah, launch people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, mine was completely different from the rest of theirs. <laughs> so, let's just put it, it out there. <laughs> 
Not unusual. Okay. Not unusual. It goes a different way. Um, you know, I'm the cheerleader that comes at the end. Um, and so, but it, it was good. It was interesting to watch Debbie, then Heather, and then Sister Miriam. And it was a very unified theme through all of us. Like you see the Holy Spirit weaving, and it was very cohesive. But it was very clear after Sister Miriam's Saturday night talk that I had to shift and change my talk, which I was really kind of frustrated with the Holy Spirit with because this is the first time I had my videos and outline in before the deadline. And I fully prepared. <laughs> Like where I actually met the deadline before, you know, and I had, and I had really stinking great videos to go with the other talk and I was pumped and, um, you know, so it was, but the Holy Spirit said to shift. So I shift and literally rewrote a talk that night, the night before I was supposed to give it. But, um, one thing that was really impressed, I think on all of us, but that I really felt like God was touching it on is really how to, um, be unrestrained. You know, I started with one of my favorite quotes from To Kill a Mockingbird, love her, but leave her wild, you know, mm-hmm. but that we have to be wild in our relationship with the Holy Spirit and that we have to be wild in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that I really feel like God is calling for um, everyone. But my heart is, you know, just um, his women right now are really to be released in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does that look like, you know, and released in their giftings and callings, you know, to run their race. Well, I used Hebrews 12, you know, that we're running our race, but each of us have our own lane and each of us have our own race to run, you know, and our gaze is fixed upon God, but we can only run that race effectively if we are empowered with the gift of the Holy Spirit and really have a personal encounter, not only with Jesus, but the spirits. And, um, but let me just tell you this. And the next part I went into being uncomfortable, like how the spirit makes us uncomfortable. And I used a quote from Pope Francis, one of my favorite quotes. And, um, yeah, um, hold on. I'm pulling it up right now because I want, I will totally butcher it if I don't read it right. Hold on. And it's Pope Francis says to put it simply, the Holy spirit bothers us because he moves us. He makes us walk. He pushes the church to go forward. And we are like Peter at the transfiguration. Oh, how wonderful it is to be here like this all together. But don't bother us. We want the Holy Spirit to doze off. We want to domesticate the Holy Spirit. And that's not good because he is God. He is the wind which comes and goes and you don't know where he is. He's the power of God. He is the one that gives us consolation and strength to move forward, but to move forward. And that bothers us. It's so much nicer for us to be comfortable, Hmm. you know, and, um, you know, and God really whispered to my heart. He's like, okay, if you are not uncomfortable, you have no need for the comforter, you know? Hmm. And, um, these were exciting words to, preach. And I felt like we were on an adventure with the Holy Spirit. And then I came home from this retreat and God's like, okay, you want to preach about this? The last weekend I've had, I've been so stinking uncomfortable. It is not been funny. <laughs> I love that. And I'm like, all right, thanks. You know, like practice what you preach, you know, but, um, yeah. And, um, I think one of the other big topics that we talked about, I had an image of a woman as a warrior in a beautiful breastplate and this is beautiful women but that women can be completely fierce and completely feminine at the same time. Amen. And, um, you know, I think Mary is a perfect example of that. You know, she has a snake underneath her feet, completely feminine and completely fierce. And, um, you know, 
that we have to fight. There's a battle to be fought and we have to fight it, you know, um, and his power, not ours, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. there's something too about the world that we live in now. It's, it's imperative that we are listening. We have one ear open to the Holy Spirit at all times, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, because, you know, the things of the world, it's, it's loud. We are being, um, you know, bombarded with lies and messages and all and fear and all kinds of things. Like it's like fear factor, you know, everything yeah. that we watch on TV and all of that. Um, and we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Like, how are we supposed to be a voice in this world of love and peace? And you know, even as we talked about the feminine, the feminine genius, the last um, four podcasts. Like, how are we supposed to offer that to a world um, that is in disarray if we're being caught up? in the disarray and unrest. Like we have to allow ourselves to be grounded in the anchor of who God is as our hope and then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And, you know, just on, I'm feeling something different happening since the retreat. I don't know what, I don't know what is going on. It's good. You know, it's good. Like just God is moving me in different ways. Sister Miriam stayed for the week and we had another, um, event. (laughs) We, we had a bit of a party and then we, um, yeah, we had another event and, I don't know. It's just different, you know, and even on Sunday at mass, I was beside a woman that I had no idea who she is. I wasn't even in my local parish and I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to talk to this woman. There's something that I want you to tell her. And I was like, really? This is weird. Like, I'm going to be weird. (laughs) She doesn't know me. And, and I, I ended up talking to her and I said that at first I said, I hope this isn't weird. You know, my name's Heather. I just felt like God just wanted to tell you this and I you know just told her and there was a lot of tears and it really spoke to her and I was like okay like I I need to be willing to get more uncomfortable as well you know and and I want to be you know that that is the kind of person that I want to be I want to be listening and moved by the Holy Spirit and um, just getting caught up with busyness and and other things it's it's something that needs to stop you know and I need to to be putting a lot more I don't want to say effort because that's the wrong word completely. It's like I just want to put a lot more attention into God, where are you? And what do you want for my day today? Instead of letting the day dictate what I do, you know? Amen. Well said. I, uh, Michelle, your talk was outstanding. And it, it was just a re- really an inspiring message to go forth and to really embrace who we are as women of God and anointed in the Holy Spirit and to allow God to minister through us. And it's so true. I mean, it, Heather, your worship that night at the encounter that I was stayed for was just so anointed. And and God is certainly stirring. I've talked, you know, we, we talk about this. The three of us talk about this a lot. We meet so many people and they're all saying the same thing, like God's about to do something big on the earth or he's stirring up gifts in our hearts and healing us in our own hearts. And I think that's really what the whole retreat was about, of encountering a God who loves us, who is unfailing, and who equips us for greatness in His name, mm-hmm. you know, to bring His name to the ends of the earth. And um, so it was just a really wonderful, wonderful experience. And, you know, maybe next year we'll, we'll see where God leads us next year, but it, it was outstanding. And so... Yeah. And I must but, say, one of my favorite things was just sharing it with you, you both, and with Debbie. Like, there's something about yeah. gathering as a team. It, when you guys showed up, I was like, ah, even though there was a lot to do, I was like, oh, this is so great, you know, because I don't have to do it all. It's not yeah. all up to me. Like, I have a team of women that I trust um, that that are gifted in different ways than I am. And just that collaboration, that is just so good for me. I just loved it. So I appreciate it very much. 
Yeah, we need it, don't we? We all need that collaboration of women coming together for the benefit of all mankind, you know? <laughs> I think there's a quote about that. <laughs> we should talk about that sometime. Uh, so, ladies, okay, so we're out of time right now, but what is your one thing? What's your one thing for the week, Michelle? Do you have a one thing you could share with us? Yeah, actually, I picked up a book, surprise, surprise, that I read about a bajillion books all at one time. And someone asked me, they're like, how do you read that many books at one time? Do you retain what you read? I'm like, yeah, you don't like. Totally. And so um, too many tabs up in my brain. But it is um, a book I've read a couple, several times before, but it's Madeline L'Engle, the one that wrote A Wrinkle in Time. But it's her reflections on uh, Christianity and art called Walking on Water. Mm. And it is, you know, you read a book, but then you read it at different times in your life and you're like, it just stands out in a different way. And so for me, it is just, um, and she talks about how, when we create things, it's a journey to wholeness. And so, um, you know, that we are born to be creators, but our art is a journey to wholeness and it's just striking me in powerful and fun ways mm-hmm. right now. And so, um, and Heather, what is your one thing? My one thing right now is The Crown on Netflix. Oh, <laughs> because Did you guys watch like stream like Netflix while you we were had a bit of a We had a Maybe. bit of a binge, binge watch. Okay, so I'm and, not going to lie. We were kind of tired. And then sent me text about uh, Rob, Bishop Robert Barron talking about The Crown. He did. He just, his podcast he just so came awesome. out on April 11th about that. that yeah. there, but that's okay. Don't worry about it. I need feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so sister and I, it was it was such a rare blessing um, that she was able to stay for a few days after because she was staying to do this event on Thursday. So we had a couple days to kind of just talk and hang out, went for a long walk. It was wonderful. And then we watched a lot of Netflix and ate popcorn. And it was really... It was really great. Anyway, we were watching The Crown, and yeah, there was just so many things that like leapt out about that show. I mean, it's beautiful, yeah. like all of the the costumes and everything. The acting is wonderful, but it's just super interesting. Anyway, I was really enjoying that this last little while. Sister, how about you? What's your one thing? My my one thing is actually a recent podcast episode I came across very recently, and by Dr. Meg Meeker. And Dr. Meg Meeker is a medical doctor who writes a lot of books on like strong fathers, strong daughters about parenting. Yeah, yeah. And she has a podcast about parenting. And I came across her, and I'll put it up there for people to listen to, a podcast about raising great girls. And this, like the pressures that girls face today and how we as moms, and she has another uh, medical doctor on and who also has a PhD in psychology, Dr. Leonard Sachs, about how to, how, how do, how do we help girls become authentically who they are about, you know, in their strength and in their courage and what are some pitfalls we can watch out for. And so it was a really great podcast, um, had some mature content in it because there's two medical doctors talking about, so, um, about, you know, real issues. So I, I wouldn't recommend listening to it after you pick up your kids <laughs> from school, but it's mm-hmm. Certainly, really some great stuff. And I, you know, we all deal with teens. And I, you know, I was just really surprised at some things that even I didn't know, like what what girls are facing today and how we can help them. So it was really great. I think it's worth, you may not agree with everything she has to say, but I really think it was worth a listen to. So Raising Great Girls by Dr. Meg Meeker. Hmm. It was very interesting. That's so. great. <laughs> Well, ladies, thank you very much once again in our abiding together and making this journey together. If you liked what you heard, would you please give us a review? Please um, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And you can subscribe to our show at abidingtogetherpodcast.com or iTunes and invite a friend as well. Everything that you do when you subscribe, it helps us get the message out to more and more people. Please know of our prayers for you in this beautiful springtime. And until we meet again, we will be abiding together. God bless you. Bye-bye.